Welcome to Mindset in Motion, a podcast discussing the ideas, pathways, and innovation shaping the future of higher education. I'm your host, Bill Heinrich. And I'm today's co-host, Jenny Riddell. This podcast is hosted by Orbis, supporting higher education and data-driven experiential learning. are on our very first pilot episode of our podcast. Really excited about this. I thought we could start today by introducing ourselves, who we are, why we're here. So I thought you could probably kick things off since this is your baby and I'm just going to be kind of jumping in the odd time to to co-host and support where I can. Thanks, Jenny. And just want to say I couldn't do this without you. It's uh, it's a team effort here. But um, yeah, I'm happy to be part of the team at Orbis. I'm a new member of the team, started this summer of 2020. And uh, most recently, I was at Michigan State University working for consulting group that was made like created by campus uh, uh, for campus. And we fixed curricular problems, uh, student and, and created uh, avenues for in, improved student success experiences on campus. Uh, prior to that work, I was studying for a doctorate in higher education, uh, where I focused on assessment, experiential learning, and organizational change. Um, prior to that, I worked at the University of California in uh, Santa Cruz uh, as a live-in hall director, where I managed residence halls and student programs, like leadership development and orientation, uh, all the way through graduation programming, some student conduct along the way. So really on the uh, front end of student services. And prior to that, I was a guide and ski bum uh, where I worked outside and taught people to ski and take mountain bike rides and spend time in the outdoors where I was really learning a lot about how experiential learning operates in the in the field. And I say um, that's sort of the thread of my career. You know, how does experiential learning impact the ways that humans uh, engage with the world and learn about their environments? Well, I know we're feeling very lucky to have you, and I'm really excited to participate in these conversations. I work at Orbis. I'm a team lead. So Orbis is an experiential learning software solution for post-secondary institutions. We're based here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My background, I, I went to school at Carleton University studying communications. I then took a uh, postgrad program at Sheridan College in corporate communications. So I worked in the public relations field for a couple of years and then ended up here at Orbis where I'm loving what I'm doing. I, I love engaging with different administrators across the country. So I think the motivation behind the Mindset in Motion series is really to offer resources and connect with industry leaders in higher ed um, so I'm really excited to to learn about experiential learning. So Bill, I thought we could also maybe expand on our main theme of Mindset in Motion, which is experiential learning. Maybe you could explain from your perspective and experience why experiential learning is so valuable uh, versus traditional academic coursework. 
Sure. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah. Experiential learning is, is valuable for students in school based settings. It represents a pretty simple formula of these authentic experiences, these activities that feel closer to, you know, real life. They're not abstracted like uh, a textbook and there's nothing wrong with textbooks. Don't hear this as, you know, being down on traditional classroom learning. Textbooks and lectures are really important. They get us over the start line. Uh, experiences, experiential learning comes in and creates these authentic applications where students can then do the thing, try it out, figure out how it works for them. Um, what's key in experiential learning is that activity is followed by a period of reflective observation or reflection where that learner considers what just happened in light of all the other experiences in their life, in light of their concurrent school experiences, and in light of what they might be thinking about for their future. So, right, they might be reflecting in the past, in the present, and in the, you know, reflecting about who they want to be. And then that combination of activity plus reflection leads to what we call learning. And the learning is really interesting, too. And this is where some of my scholarship focuses. But, you know, students in, in these environments, they learn a deeper sense, a deeper connection. They learn and gain a deeper connection to the content area. So, you know, if they're, you know, if they're studying um, human resources and they're working in a, in a work placement, worrying about human resource policy, you know, being on the ground, seeing how real individuals react to those policies, that's a really powerful environment in which learning can take place. So the content is there. The emergent part of learning is what's extra interesting and why I think experiential learning feels so, so interesting and powerful for students. Um, the emergent learning is sort of, like the stuff you didn't anticipate, but was still kind of cool. So uh, when I used to take people skiing in the mountains, you know, we would work on skiing skills, but we'd also work, you know, work on just staying comfortable and figuring out how to do, uh, you know, how to sort of live in that environment. And it was that, that wasn't written down in the curriculum, but it, so we'd call it an emergent outcome of that project, you know, where clients and learners can really get something extra out of the deal. And so that combination of activity, reflection, leading to learning um, is really the the baseline for this. Uh, I'll just say, you know, there's a lot of other theories. There's a lot of theories that help that use that basic formula and expand it and are add a lot of nuance and really, really help it become applied in different areas. And so we can get into those theories in another episode, but we just want to touch on the basics here. Mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm glad you brought up the reflection component because, mm -hmm. you know, in my brief experience and in doing some homework, it seems like across the board, there's a well-supported theory that experience alone doesn't produce knowledge. It's really through that reflection component. So we'll be talking to lots of different folks in this series about how to assess learning and then how learning is is recorded we have some, a variety of different folks joining us, including a webinar we're putting on with the folks at Lehigh University. So Cameron McCoy of Lehigh University and Mary Strain of Highland Credentials is going to be doing a presentation for us on how blockchain technology is used to enhance the value of student credentials. So um, that's just one of the many topics we'll be exploring. I'd also be remiss to not acknowledge we're, don't want to use the word unprecedented, but it's used so frequently right now. We're in an unprecedented time. I'm wondering from your experience, Bill, 
how institutions are pivoting well to accommodate experiential learning opportunities during this pandemic? That's a really important question, Jenny. Um, yeah, the pivot in remote environments uh, during COVID for school-based learning, you know, colleges and universities in particular, where, where we're focused, has been big. A lot of uh, instructors and and faculty members have uh, had to do a lot of work to redesign their courses that were based, you know, in face-to-face environments or lab environments or, or applied environments and redesign them to be delivered remotely. Um, and that might be synchronously or asynchronously. There's lots of versions out there. Online learning's been around and there's lots of good research and lots of good models for supporting faculty. So I hope folks are finding them. We can put some links to some good, good support opportunities in our website when we when we connect here so look for that but the redesign is really what's important so the design of experiences that lead to learning is a key element to good experiential learning right like you said if we the old adage was let the mountains speak for themselves in, in outdoor education and that was actually a dangerous adage because if we if we take people to the mountains and we don't show them how to be safe and and successful they're going to get hurt so, right, that's a design proposition to let the mountains speak for themselves. So modern outdoor education has said, you know what, that's not safe. <laughs> Let's design an experience that is appropriate for this age group and skill level of learner uh, that will help them expand their knowledge and skill set in this environment. And so I think that might be the the proxy for what classroom instructors have had to do to move online is really take what essential experience is. So it might be an application of a, you know, of a theory to a practice or something like that. Um, it might be a simulation of uh, a lab experiment that has to be created digitally. Uh, and so, you know, you might see a redesign, including a new software that allows for that or a new assessment tool that helps pick up signals of learning that you might, that instructors might have been able to pick up on through course discussions that were in person. Uh, in, in earlier iterations, but now need to, um, create assessment methods that capture those signals of student learning along the way. Um, so there, there's lots of redesign elements, but I think that's the, one of the key elements of, of the pivot in COVID to a more remote, a more frequently remote environment, uh, for learning. And with experiences, um, you know, we, we're starting to see really cool stuff with, augmented reality and artificial intelligence sort of creating environments that are digital similar to like really like role-playing video games and role-player game tabletop games where you know players are creating these co-creating these environments and then gaming out or solving problems uh to you know two sides of the same coin but figuring out ways to address those problems with teams or on their own uh figuring out what tools they might have so you know given a, a you know, you might see this applied in, um, you know, in any kind of di- academic discipline, uh, you, know, you know, the tools of the discipline, the kind of critical thinking tools of an anal- analytical tools and statistical tools that are taught as part of a discipline are then applied to a set of simulated problems. And those kinds of experiences, while not as authentic as, you know, going out into the field and interacting with people or collecting samples or something, um, you know, they have the elements of experiential learning where this experience is, is real and authentic and requires skills. And then it's reflected upon with, uh, with the guidance of experts, um, who can give feedback on that. And, and that combination, again, experience plus reflection leads us to really powerful learning experiences, learning outcomes. 
it sounds like like anything, there's obviously a right and a wrong way to do experiential learning. Um, but even when you were talking about authentic experiences, it reminded me of University of Alberta posted an article recently about a student who was a graduate in public health and had just started their practicum at the hospital in March at the height of this pandemic. Mm. And I think some students would, you know, embrace that experience with open arms, but it could also be a very traumatic experience for a student experiencing a, a practicum for the first time amidst a global pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, practica experiences and, you know, work placements for a lot of those are, those are equivalent to helping learners and students kind of walk into the shallow end of a pool. And, and you know, the, the person you talked about starting a, a public health uh, practicum in amidst the global pandemic, that's really going into the deep end potentially. Right. So, I mean, there's ways to protect individuals in those spaces, even during a pandemic and protect them from being overwhelmed is really what I'm getting after. Right. So that goes back to that design question. How do we design practical experiences that are appropriate and scaled to the student's skill level to push them to the next skill level? And if, you know, if we're not intentional about those designs, uh, yeah, you, we could see some really troublesome kinds of things. Um, you know, we could see some overworked and uh, really unhappy people. It's, you know, throwing somebody in with no support or no orientation, um, and, you know, and letting them figure it out on their own, it will, that, you know, that is an educational approach. It does work for a few people <laughs> and for many people, it leaves them very frustrated. Uh, so yeah, there are ways to screw that up, um, with the, by not designing closely or carefully or not collaborating with the, you know, the work placement provider like the company. There's been a bigger movement where companies are engaging deeper in the co-education of students in these spaces and the co-design of that educational experience. So that's kind of an interesting area of growth for campuses to think about how we, you know, how we partner or how campuses partner with their employer partners, um, companies and organizations, you know, maybe nonprofits that are recruiting their students for work placements, things like that. We don't want to overwhelm our students with like just throwing them in with no guidance or too much work or too much of too much responsibility too soon. Right. Because that that could be a, an unhappy ending. Well, we're looking forward to learning more from your expertise and how to not screw this up. So um, <laughs> let's keep talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our next podcast episode is actually going to be on based on competencies and learning outcomes. So. Bill, you're going to be walking me through through that and some of those concepts. Um, and I had mentioned we also have a webinar that will be posted on our page um, with Cameron McCoy and Mary Strain. So that should be exciting. And we're always open and interested in new contributors. So if anyone has a topic or wants to get on the other end of the mic, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we're looking forward to these conversations, Jenny. Thanks. All right. So I guess we'll leave it there for this week. Thank you so much, Bill. Until next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Mindset in Motion, a conversation to help you think about big picture topics in higher education. If you have questions for me or just want to talk about your institution, connect with me at bheinrich at orbiscommunications.com or check out our website at orbiscommunications.com.